But think of the story that you want to write that might be suspense. What's the hook, that compelling premise that hooks your audience from the very start? Irony is a great way to do it. So if you have maybe firefighter who's your hero and his house burned down, burns down, that's a great ironic hook, right? So think of a compelling premise that will hook your audience. Using irony is a great way to do this. We'll talk about this and much more today. Welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a Writer's Day podcast. I'm happy to have you here with me today. My name is Ruth Douthit, and I'm an award-winning, multi-published author. And I started this podcast so that we can chat about all things writing and listen to amazing authors talk about their writing journeys and their new books. So welcome. And I hope that you had a blessed November, a blessed Thanksgiving with family and friends. I know I did. It was so wonderful, so relaxing. And of course, the food was amazing. But now we're approaching Christmas time. And that's my favorite time of the year. And so be sure to sign up for my newsletter as I post more about the events that I'll be involved in, like the Christmas Marketplace book sale that I'll be having, and also the book sales that I'm involved in. Right now, The Doors of Rome and First Christmas at War are on sale. Ebooks, 99 cents only. Oh my goodness, head over to Amazon to grab your copy of The Doors of Rome ebook and First Christmas at War ebook only 99 cents each wow what a deal and of course my dragons and fairies coloring book brand new release is available on amazon right now for those on your christmas list who love to color and they love dragons and fairies and all things fantastical head over to amazon today and be sure you go to artbyruth.com to sign up for my newsletter so you can be enrolled in the next book giveaway. That's right, each month I give away a free book and you could win one. So thank you for your support and for visiting a Writer's Day podcast today. Today we're going to dive into more of the art and craft of storytelling. And in this episode, we will be unlocking the mysteries behind writing a gripping suspense thriller. And I know that you have your favorite suspense thriller author. And the reason I'm covering this topic is because I am writing my very first suspense thriller, romance suspense thriller. And uh, it has been so fun. And so I thought I would share some of the insights I've gained from trying out this new genre. So in this segment, we're going to talk about the foundation of suspense. So you know the drill, grab your favorite beverage, a comfortable chair, kick back and relax as we delve into the art and craft of storytelling and the foundation of suspense. The first thing I've learned about suspense thrillers that I like to watch and books that I like to read is the hook. There has to be a compelling premise that hooks the audience right from the start. 
I'll be using some of my favorite thriller movies. And my one of my most favorite is Seven, a movie with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. It is a rated R serial killer movie that is super, super spooky and gruesome. So I'm not recommending that you go watch it. <laughs> but I watched it years ago. And it really stayed with me because of the foundation of suspense. And that is the hook. It starts off with Morgan Freeman's character, uh, a very seasoned police officer, getting ready to retire. And he has one week left. And he is given this really strange serial killer case. So there's the hook. You have this irony in that this seasoned police officer is getting ready to retire. And yet he's given this horrific serial serial killer case on his way out the door. Usually you think that they would just give him a desk job and say, here, answer some phones or some mail and for a week and you'll be done. So that's the hook that really draws in the audience. And then there's a bit of more irony in that he is uh, paired with Brad Pitt, who is brand new to the department and homicide and all that. I mean, he's an experienced cop, but he's brand new this area and he is joined with seasoned cop Morgan Freeman about to head out the door for retirement. So in storytelling, that is really a fantastic hook. That's a great way to connect to the audience and and kind of make them chuckle a little bit when they think of, oh, great. Now Morgan Freeman, the seasoned cop has to deal with a brand new cop, you know, Ricky to this department and all the complexities that come with that. So think of the story that you want to write that might be suspense. What's the hook, that compelling premise that hooks your audience from the very start? Irony is a great way to do it. So if you have maybe firefighter who's your hero and his house burns down, that's a great ironic hook, right? Or if you have a school teacher and she's about ready to retire and yet her boss tells her she needs to go back to school and take, you know, learn this new concept before she can continue teaching. So there's more irony there. So think of a compelling premise that will hook your audience. Using irony is a great way to do this. Another really compelling hook is in the movie and the book, No Country for Old Men. Now, this is a very suspenseful film, beautifully directed and acted. And of course, the book was amazing, too. And it has a hook in that the villain and the main character have a connection. And that is they're both Vietnam veterans. And so there's that premise, that compelling premise that is also fascinating for the reader and the viewer. So Cormac McCarthy's novel has this same premise. So in No Country for Old Men, you have this interesting premise that isn't really touched on in the movie as much as it is in the book. In the book, you have this irony in that both characters, the main character and the villain, are Vietnam veterans. But yet their lives take such you know, different paths. So that's another way to hook in your readers. 
what kind of irony can you use? Are they both cops, but yet one is now a hitman, you know, or, or are they both hero veterans of the Gulf War or the Iraq War, you know, Operation Iraqi Freedom, and yet one has taken a dark path and the other one has taken a noble path, and then later in the story, their paths meet. So that's one way to do it. And that's one way to build up that suspense is how can you make uh, this Vietnam veteran who's a welder and he stumbles upon a large sum of money in the desert. So you have this premise here. And then you have the villain who is a hitman and he is sent to recover that money. But yet they are both Vietnam veterans, served their country, and went down very different paths. Excellent use of irony. Now, in the movie Primal Fear, another rated R movie has a lot of cussing and um, gruesome scenes, so I don't recommend you watch it, but it is a brilliant story in that it has this irony. It has this altar boy who is arrested for this gruesome murder of a priest, and then you have Richard Gere, who plays a smart aleck, although talented, defense attorney assigned to this altar boy. And the premise here, the compelling premise is that you have an innocent altar boy who's thrust into this horrific crime, and yet you have this slick, smart aleck attorney who is anything but innocent and, you know, could never be an altar boy. Now they are combined together to save this young man's life from, you know, the death penalty. So that's another way to handle it. One of my most favorite Tom Hanks movies is Road to Perdition, which is based off of the graphic novel. The way that it's directed is very much like the graphic novel. But the irony here is it's set in the 30s, and Tom Hanks has a wonderful, you know, beautiful home, a loving wife, two little boys, and you get to see how they live so simply and plain in this time around, you know, the Great Depression. And yet this kind, gentle father and husband is a hitman. And he works for Paul Newman, uh, an Irish gangster. And he goes around, you know, killing people for (laughs) his uh, boss. So there's that irony. So these are just some examples of how you can use irony in your stories. I'm currently reading a suspense, romantic suspense by Jessica Patch for Love Inspired Suspense. And she starts off her story where the the main character is approached by a cop who is someone she knew from high school. And he was not very admirable in high school. He was not a very kind person. And yet here he is a police officer. So that was an interesting hook right from the start in that the main character is scratching her head like how on earth did he ever become a cop because she remembers what he was like in high school so these are just some great ways to use irony to really hook your audience in now the next thing to do is to create complex relatable characters and these characters have to have hidden depths and motives remember they have to have a dark moment in their past. Why? To explain their behavior in the current time, the time that the reader is meeting them. 
So you have to do some brainstorming work, watch some really great Hitchcock suspense movies or, you know, read some books where the main characters have a secret. They have a past. And that past is explaining their behavior right now. So as your character is introduced to your reader, are they an alcoholic or are they a recovering alcoholic? Are they at an AA meeting or are they waking up from a hangover? You know, you have to be able to answer the question why that your readers might have. Why is your main character an alcoholic or at an AA meeting? Something happened to them in their past that is now informing their present when we are just meeting them. So that's the beginning of creating a complex character and very relatable to your reader because all of your readers out there also have something that happened to them in their past that is now informing their current behavior. That's just the way it is. That's how we all are. And like with all really good suspense movies and stories, you know, books that we've read, these hidden depths and motives will be introduced slowly and carefully throughout the story. You don't want to reveal too much too soon, but sprinkle those hints along the way until you get to that point and you're later in your story when you do the big reveal and your character is explaining what had happened to him or her in their past. Then the reader says, ah, now I get it. Oh, I know why this is happening. (laughs) That happens to Morgan Freeman's character in the movie Seven, where he has a chance to explain a little bit about why he is the way he is. And in that explanation, the viewer starts to understand and can possibly relate to the story that he's sharing about himself. It's not a very good story. It doesn't paint him as a, you know, and man of integrity or good character, but he's revealing this information to one of the characters in the story for a very significant purpose. And again, that's what you need to do as well. You can't just throw in this dark moment in your character's past without it having a purpose in the story. And it has to move that plot forward. And that's what Morgan Freeman's story does. Another part of the foundation of suspense storytelling is highlight the significance of a vivid and atmospheric setting. And that setting has to enhance the tension. If your story is going to take place on a bright sunny day all the time, it's not going to really match what's happening in the story. In the movie Seven, the director does a brilliant job with this in that it's rainy and dark and cloudy pretty much the entire story, except near the end. And that just provides more of that ironic twist. Because at the end, when it is sunny and clear, that's when the big reveal happens and it is disturbing and dark. So you think that he would, the director would have had it dark and rainy and gloomy during that big you know, reveal at the very end, but he doesn't. So the setting of your story can match what's happening or it can go against what's happening but it better serve a purpose and that's what the director and writers of the movie seven did they use that sense of irony to make the audience uncomfortable 
because the reveal, the big reveal that happens is very, very disturbing and dark, and it doesn't match the bright, sunny setting that we're experiencing. And so that causes more of that cognitive dissonance, that uncomfortable feeling, because the audience kind of started to relax a little bit with the sun shining and the weather turning nice. We start to relax that maybe what's coming isn't going to be quite as bad as we thought <laughs> because the entire movie is filled with darkness and dark scenes, crime scenes and, and finding out about, you know, these gruesome murders. And so the dark, cold, cloudy, rainy setting matches it. So it helps us, you know, go along with that feeling. So your story should have a vivid and atmospheric setting as well. A setting that enhances the tension in your story. So if it's set mostly at night, because it's a dark, spooky serial killer, you know, suspense story, then that makes sense, doesn't it? But I remember talking with Creston Mapes about his story, Fear Has a Name. And, and when you look at the cover, it's snowy and cold. And that kind of matches what's happening in the story. Very disturbing thing happens to the main characters. And so that, that goes along with it. And so think of the setting of your story. Does it match the amount of tension that your story has? And you might want to say like, the suspense story I'm starting right now starts off sunny and bright on you know Christmas Day, but then turns dark later on. And so I will need to change the setting to match that, to match that feeling, that intense feeling. Otherwise, keeping it a sunny, bright, you know, beautiful weather day isn't probably going to match what is happening to my main character. So that vivid atmospheric setting, have weather in there, you know, fog, wind, rain, a smoky feeling, uh, nighttime, thick, humid air, anything like that, that adds that atmosphere. And make it vivid. You know, is your character feeling it? Does she feel the humidity on her skin? Does she feel the heat? Is her body sweating because of the intense heat? Is she freezing cold because of the intense cold? And is she out in the elements suffering from it? Is it is the atmosphere and the setting creating an obstacle for your character? I was talking to Elizabeth Goddard about that for her books because she has them set in Alaska. And a lot of times she has the uh, atmosphere, the setting as one of the obstacles put in her main character's way to successfully catching the killer or escaping the killer. That's another way that you can increase that tension, enhance the tension of your story by using that vivid and atmospheric setting. You want it to start off sunny and bright and beautiful? That's great. But then as the story changes, add more of that atmosphere. If it's set in the desert, you know, the heat. If it's set in the East Coast and the humidity, if it's freezing cold, have that be part of the story that drives the story forward. Use the setting. And if you have various settings, use them to really draw in the reader and build that suspense. In our next segment of Crafting a Perfect Suspense Thriller, we're going to look at building tension through pacing. 
So think of some of your most favorite suspense stories. And uh, Seven, I'll continue using Seven as an example because the pacing of this movie is phenomenal. (laughs) The writers and the director really understood how police officers going after a killer and trying to stop him killing in seven days is unrealistic, of course, but also increases that tension. Because remember, Morgan Freeman has seven days left as a cop, and yet this killer is, you know, they're finding dead bodies every single day, seven days to match the seven deadly sins, to match the seven days left in his retirement, to match, you know, to just build that tension because of the pacing. So now you've got urgency, seven days, seven deadly sins. They've got to catch this killer before he gets to number seven. And Morgan Freeman wants to, you know, finish the job before he retires in seven days. So you see how your pacing, it can start off slow, but then it has to build and build and build in urgency as well. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at techniques such as cliffhangers and foreshadowing that uh, help build that tension through pacing. And then we're going to look at the role of pacing in sustaining suspense throughout your narrative. And then finally, we're going to look at the balance between fast-paced action and slower character-driven moments. The purpose of having that quiet dialogue between your two characters. There's a lot of that in the movie Seven between Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. And it works beautifully. And you can do that in your book as well. So I thank you for joining me today for this episode of Crafting the Perfect Suspense Thriller. I hope that you've learned something new. I know I am as I'm studying all of these components of the suspense as I write one. And so I'm so honored to share it with all of you. As we learn more about crafting the art and craft of storytelling. So until next time, God bless.